You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. Horror for the casually obsessed I'm Kim. I'm John. And we are heading back to the summer of 85 this week, and next week, perhaps, uh, with a double feature of two horror films that came out in the summer of 85. It's time to party! Man, I have been dying to talk about Return of the Living Dead on this podcast, and holy fuck, uh, this is the right way to do it. This is the perfect summer movie. Honestly, a really long time coming and a very hard film to work into the podcast because we wanted to find a good pairing for it. Although I don't know if we succeeded. We'll get the, to it next week. <laughs> the theme, I think, is is a success. The overall theme. Right? I don't know if thematically the two films go together, but you never know. Uh, and that's the fun of a drive-in, right? Though? Absolutely. The movies don't actually go together that well. It's never. all just happenstance on what production company was doing what what year exactly yeah and but- and the, the and the, the real challenge with return of the living dead is that no a, any movie you put against it is gonna be trash compared to it it is what it's a party in a can like you lift off the lid and boom you're ready to go and then snakes come out but they're not snakes they're slinkies with fabric on them right how do you like it's like a tough act to follow like imagine it's like being a band and watching the opener just destroy and you're like well fuck they just stole the show how do we go out there and do better so uh good luck to you next week mystery movie no matter what you couldn't hold a candle to the return of the living dead well i mean to be fair if i was programming it this this would definitely be our second movie of the night but the only reason why we're doing it first and the reason why it hasn't been on the podcast yet is that We've always wanted to put it out the beginning of July, as close to July 4th as we could. Well, my, my hope was that July 3rd would fall on a Thursday. So I've kind of, every year, I just check the calendar. And I'm like, oh, it's not this year. No, it's not this year. It's like, well, how many years are we going to do the podcast in general? Like, who fucking knows? Every year could be the last year. And I don't... How many uh, I, years are we at now? We started in 2016? Coming up on seven years. Holy moly. Yeah, and I'm tired of waiting. I want to talk about this goddamn <laughs> movie. So happy belated Independence Day to the American listeners out there. Uh, I hate to tell you, but everything I know about your country, I've learned from gas stations and this movie. <laughs> Kim, before we get into it, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is this a first time watch for you? This is a first time pay attention yeah. for me. I've seen the move like I've watched the movie we've had friends over when the movie was on but I don't know how much attention I gave it like I I know the first 15 minutes very well and then the rest of the movie is just like "Eh." yeah exactly yeah because again once again it's a party starter uh it's it's a great party movie so yeah it's always a movie that's on in the background yes so I'm gonna throw to you three good things about Return of the Living Dead okay now I'm gonna be really sparing with this because I know we're gonna want to expand on it but this movie has for number one this movie has very unique zombie lore zombie rules um, it has very unique zombies yeah it's it's breaking the status quo it's playing with 
the tropes and it's playing with the subgenre and it's really doing something that's totally unique for being like a trashy 80s film this movie is so engaging because you do not know one what's going to happen and two zombies have never been so unkillable yes and I think that I don't know if they've ever been this unkillable ever ever again it ratchets up the tension it ratchets up the climax of the film and the heroes you're just they're fucked from the beginning and it is so good yes absolutely my number two if i could pick one it's real tough like you know there's a hundred good things about this movie but uh i'll say that the zombies order takeout <laughs> like they they, they get a par- so good they get an ambulance and they just send more paramedics and then send more police like you they're ordering I- <laughs> a fucking pizza you know what i thought that he was gonna say when he was doing that that zombie i thought he was gonna say send more brains yes and they were gonna send the ambulances anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. would have loved that would have been cartoonish would have been perfect fucking perfect <laughs> yeah i don't know if you necessarily had anything locked in for number three but you know again with that getting into super specifics i mean like we could always say Lene Quigley dances naked, but pff, could be talking about any Lene Quigley movie. Uh, my number three good thing about Return of the Living Dead is that the main premise is that Night of the Living Dead by George A. Romero is based on a true story and that that, that really happened and it was a government cover-up. So we exist in a world where zombies have already terrorized the countryside, but it's like a dirty... Like an urban you know, legend little, little kind of... Yeah. Yes, and what's so cool about that is that Return of the Living Dead, by title, you think is going to be a direct sequel to Night of the Living Dead, but when you think about it, it's not. Because in Return of the Living Dead, Night of the Living Dead exists as a movie. So they're in a world where Night of the Living Dead is a movie that's based on a true event. I, even even technically, this movie is supposed to be based on a true event. The Man, what a clever use of words where it's like, this is based on a true story. Honestly, I fucking love that. All the names are based <laughs> on, on real names and real locations, which is not even as... As much of a lie as Fargo saying is based on a true story and just not meaning it. Like, it's legally, if you look at it, they technically have not lied. (laughs) The names are based on real names and the cities are based on real cities and that's about it. Oh, what what a great little... What a great little goofy way to start this fucking movie. Anyway, we're going to toss the trailer. We're going to get, like, one of the coolest fucking needle drops in 80s horror. And, and we're YouTube's going to demonetize us. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then we're going to be back to talk about Dan O'Bannon's Return of the Living Dead. In the dark of the night... Something strange is going on. You see that movie? Night of the Living Dead. Sure. They ship those bodies. Well, say hello. The dead have risen from the grave. How many did you say? A hundred. And now the question is, how do we get them back into the ground? Bert, Frank, we have a little problem. Ah, Boiler, ten right. Ah, ah, Stop! 
science is baffled. And it's a puzzle. Because technically, you're not alive. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. How do you kill something that's already dead? Well, how do I know, Fred? I don't know. Let me think. It's not a bad question, Bert. In that movie, they destroyed the brain to kill him. Is that what they did? The brains, right? Brains. Military is nervous. Usual crap. The police are confused. Send more cops. It worked in the movie. Well, it ain't working now. Bring the movie line. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. The return of the living dead. I was very happy to see this. Uh, return of the living dead currently sitting at a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb. Respectable. 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. And a 3.9 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Yeah, honestly, the tagline for this movie could have been, just when you were getting bored of zombies, they went and got cool again. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. The actual tagline of the movie is, they're back from the grave and ready to party. Yeah! Surprise, surprise. (laughs) But uh, the tagline for the second one is even fucking better. Because obviously we're existing in a, uh, we live in a a post-Jaws 2 world. It's just when you thought it was safe to be dead. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Oh, yeah. What? a wild ride this movie is. Uh, You know, as we mentioned, it's a perfect Independence Day movie. It takes place mostly on July 3rd. I'm going to get into more specifics as we keep going and stuff, but isn't this movie just such a great little jab in the ribs of the, like, hoo-ha, America's great? (laughs) Like, the whole fucking movie. Even just, like, the zombie gas being uh, being, uh, let out into the air uh, is because some guy's like, you kidding me? This tank couldn't fucking leak. It's welded by hand by American military. Gives it, like, a nice, like, you know, knock on the tank like you'd be kicking a tire on a car and like, oh, fuck, the weld broke, we're all dead. Yeah, and just the fact that the military covered up this extremely dangerous toxic event, because I'm I'm assuming based on this film that the original zombie event was a toxic event, Mm -hmm. and then they lost the zombies that they clearly clearly they were unkillable and this was the, the best way to take care of them was to quarantine them in barrels and they lost them. They fucking lost them. Yeah. And they ended up at a medical supply. This event could have happened at any point over the last 40 years. Yeah. And I guess that's why they had one guy whose only job was to, like, man the torpedo that would end the small zombie invasion. Yeah, no, they totally knew that this was going to happen one day, and they were just waiting for it to go down. The eggs have hatched. (laughs) Yeah, but the, the opening of the movie, we meet uh, we meet Tommy Jarvis, <laughs> you know, Tom Matthews, who is most well known by horror fans for playing Tommy Jarvis. He's playing Freddy in this movie. It's his first day at the medical f- supply. At the medical supply. You need facility. a medical supply. You need a medical supply is great. Like you need a corpse, we got it. You need a you need a skeleton, we got it. And like that's the weirdest, coolest thing about this place is that yeah, it's just a warehouse full of skeletons. It's got fucking cadavers in a freezer, and it's got these secret tanks in the basement that they shouldn't have that contain corpses that have complete deadly 
holy gas inside that'll annihilate the entire planet. Just collecting dust. Here's my question for you. Yeah. Because I I was confused about the, the gas situation, and you sort of clarified it a little bit while we were watching it. So the gas that leaks out of the barrel, the zombie, the zombie quarantine barrel, mm-hmm. do you think that's just like fermentation? Do you think that's just air that was in with the zombie that because the zombie was in there so long, it's like fermented air? And oh, it's, totally. It yeah. turns, it's turnable. I don't know what kind of solution is in there with the zombie. Uh, what kind of brine? Do you is think he was in. brined? Yeah, but well, kind of. I think he's with just, a little bit of dill. Yeah, he's been steeping for thirty plus years, and just oxygen. Uh, you know, it's it's skin and everything reacting with the oxygen makes it melt. Um, I don't think they'd necessarily put a pre- like they may have put a preservative gas in there to stop it from decomposing any further or to stop it from doing whatever. But um, but yeah, like the gas is definitely like a probably a byproduct of it rotting. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess things don't just stop rotting because you've canned them. Although pilgrims would have me believe otherwise. <laughs> I was going to say, although things we buy in a can. <laughs> But I'm sure they have, like, an expiry date. Like, I'm sure, like, canned carrots in 40 years don't look so appetizing. Everything's got an expiry date. I'm sure, I'm sure after 40 years, canned potatoes would look just as, just as appealing as the fucking wrinkled zombie in this goddamn movie. And then, of course, as soon as it hits the air, it's gonna start melting, baby. Man, what a great fucking shot. Title card on a zombie face that's just melting away because it's finally hit oxygen. It's great. Well, even if you've never seen the film, you have seen Tar man before so you know what he's gonna be like it, it's teasing when he arrives later in the film and so every horror fan just like you're like oh fuck yeah yeah he's so goopy and gross but I do love that his first order of business when he gets out of that tank is to just hide <laughs> like and I guess recoup uh, boot up in safe mode or whatever because he could have just as easily eaten the brains of those two guys that were passed out on the floor on the other hand now that I'm thinking about it uh they weren't fresh. They weren't fresh. They've been contaminated by this gas. And they can likely smell that because they can smell fresh brain. That's what I was thinking. Like, by the time the paramedics show up, these guys look like living corpses. And they uh, have confirmed no pulse, no blood pressure, no... Like, their, t- their body temperature is room temperature. So, yeah, there's a pretty Love good it. chance when the zombies saw them, they were like, mm, this one's already dead. Can't eat this one. Yeah. And honestly, it's just a good reveal. We don't need a plot reason for it. Yeah. Uh, Tar man is so fucking good whoever performs him it was like really good casting because he's he's very skinny zombie and it looks like a decaying corpse that's like losing muscle tissue yes he is obviously wearing the tightest bodysuit and they've just slathered like black goo on top of him because it it, you can feel that that he's sinewy, even though you can't see the sinew because yeah. he's so goopy. And the way he walks is, de- is definitely because his muscles have just been rotting away. And it's it's not that uh, he's got like a, a limp or something. It's that he physically can't make those movements because his muscle tissue's gone. I mean, he is pretty nimble, though. He gets up and down those stairs when Tina goes down there and she falls through because of the third step. The third step's a bitch. Such a good 
like Chekhov's step. <laughs> there are so many little Chekhov's moments in this movie. Like the beginning of the movie is is Frank, who, by the way, bugged me the entire time. Yes, tell me who. Yes, so the the entire movie, Frank, the older guy who is who is walking Freddy around, showing him the ropes, teaching him everything he needs to know about the you medical have warehouse business. Yes, they got halves of dogs. Uh, he was so fucking familiar, and I couldn't figure out who it was until two minutes before we sat down to record. He is the head real estate developer <gasps> in Poltergeist. Oh my god! Right? Like, yeah, we just moved the tombstones. It's no big deal. Oh my god! What, you got a 200 watt bulb in here? Jeez. <laughs> wow. Yes, it is. They also both are in Return of the Living Dead Part 2 playing completely different roles. It's so great. That's great. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, but like, the, the, there's so many little Chekhov's moments throughout the beginning of the movie. He's walking around the warehouse, showing him skeletons, showing him... Uh, you know, pets that have been cut in half so you can see the insides. He's showing them cadavers. And it does not take a long time before all of that stuff starts moving around and terrorizing them. Love it. It's, the, the dog moving, the right? butterflies that have been yes! like taxidermied and pinned to like a frame. Oh. It's a, an entire warehouse of, of uh, products that have been made from the dead and they're all coming back to life. In, in some, in very cute ways, uh, some completely John and ready to tear your head off. Okay, so here I want to have a little side tangent. I want to talk about corpses. Yeah. Not reanimated corpses, just corpses. Specifically corpses for profit? Is that what we're talking about here? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I guess what we, is it about? That is sinister. What, but <laughs> Yeah, what is it about corpses? You know? So just when, before things get scary, and this is my favorite part in a horror film, and I'm I'm very in the, the minority with how much I enjoy the build-up before things go wrong, because yeah. I just like life, and I like when people can enjoy life. Okay, and, but you also wanted to have a tinge of, of like macabre absolutely like, yeah I would just if we could get some ominous tones in here but like nothing jumping out at you <laughs> exactly <laughs> just like the fear that death is always around exactly okay I love that it's Tommy Jarvis's first day and he's being shown around oh god this sounds just like something you'd love you're like ooh it's his first day I want to watch him fill out paperwork <laughs> ooh let's talk about all of the medical supplies but the reactions were very surprising. So he knows that there are a ton of skeletons who have very good teeth that that are medical yes. supplies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're talking about differentiating, you know, if somebody orders female, somebody orders male, la la la. And he's like, oh, cool, skeletons, so fucking neat. And then he's like, we also have cadavers in this freezer. And he was like, no, <laughs> fucking cadavers. So I want to talk about at what point a cadaver becomes not scary. Skeletons, not scary. That's true. Cadaver, and we all know, super scary. We all know skeletons mostly made for from real bones. Okay, but then I also have a theory. And you play with, like as a kid, you'd play with it in the doctor's office. You'd be like, "Huh, look at this little skeleton." <laughs> I mean, you would assume it was plastic, but I have a I have a theory. Uh-huh. I have a theory here because, and we're not we're not even going to get into reanimation because that's just a whole other level. Yeah. We're not going to talk about reanimated corpses and their level of decomposition. Yeah. We're going to talk about regular decomposition. So yeah, the idea. Or that- if you're just taking peeling back the layers, as if like the crusts <laughs> of the earth. So you're taking the skin off a corpse. I, yeah. That okay. <laughs> Okay. If say, yeah, okay. say just muscles, you got a dead thing with that's just muscle tissue, nerve endings. Maybe it's a little juicy because the organs are still in there. I would say that is scarier than a dry ass cadaver. Uh huh. So but... my theory here, and like we're gonna get mathematical, is that it's a parabola of scares. So it's corpses scary. Skinless corpses, very fucking scary. Uh-huh. Skeleton, not scary. 
anymore. Interesting. I love that. We're the- grading on a curve here. This is college. <laughs> yeah. The peak scare is not the dead person where you can still see their face. I like I, I like I like what you're saying. I would say that the the cadaver is somewhere on the trajectory toward the peak, though. Yeah, I wouldn't no, say, I think cadaver I wouldn't say is we're starting there. right down there at zero. Was that the y-axis? Is the way, <laughs> exactly. The, the prevalent. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think we're 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 somewhere in the forty-five degree point. Yeah, if we're uh, if we're on a roller coaster, we're halfway up the lift hill. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, we still have to keep our hands inside, but we're not ready for that drop. What would you say, like personally, what Mm -hmm. would you say is the scariest layer of the Earth's crust of corpses? (laughs) Scariest layer of the Earth's crust of corpses. Now, um, this is a weird question. And not reanimated, mind you, that complicates things. I'm not grading backward, right? Like, we've got the skin, now we take the skin off, and I'm not going to lie, if I walk into a room and there is a a cadaver that's strung up and with muscle tissue and nerve endings all sticking there, eyeballs still intact. The eyeballs, oh God! But right beside it is... Is a pile of skin. I think the pile of skin is even scarier. <laughs> but only if it's completely intact, like inside out gloves. Fuck. That's gross. <laughs> so it, it really depends on how plasticky it looks. Because if you go to those bodywork exhibits where they like cut a person in half and you can like see everything. That's what if there. it looks pliable? Like you could play operation with its like lungs and kidneys. So that's that's exactly what I was gonna get at. If if it looked like a stiff like a, operation. a strong breeze would knock out all those perfectly tangled up intestines. Uh, that's a strong what... <laughs> a strong haunting breeze through the doctor's <laughs> office. <laughs> like all the fucking like the gallbladder and everything falls out. You're like, no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's gross. Here's here's the other thing. What if you hit it with a hose and you wash away all the gross blood and you're just left with nice, clean, smooth organs. Okay, Is that scary? Even squeaky clean organs sound terrifying. Well, yeah, but I mean, not Like, as. I'd appreciate that they're shiny and new looking, but terrifying. <laughs> Uh yeah, I think it's all bad. I think uh I think uh you know it might be once you once you because uh, cadavers aren't as scary because the eyes usually closed. I think if you take off all the skin and the eyeballs are still there because they're an internal organ, uh, they're an external organ. Uh, yeah, the the eyeball thing I did not think of, and as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, just like an eyeball that can't blink, like no, thank you. Yeah, but if you've got a corpse skinned uh, organ still there, but the eyeballs are gone, I'd say at least. 50 60 percent less scary we're, if, we're on the downward trajectory of that parabola what if the mouth is open and the tongue is hanging out now that's where we start reaching into comedy that's hilarious <laughs> what are you talking about of course you're like, <laughs> like uh, yeah hilarious love it I don't know. laugh out loud riot <laughs> You know, the funny thing, and I think I've talked about this in the podcast before, uh, where he was making that gag about, like, where did they get all these skeletons with the full teeth and everything? Oh, my God. And he's like, India. That's where we get them all. That's true. <gasps> like, 90% of the world's... I'm j- literally just picking a number out of the air. But I did read a book not too long ago called Red Market. Fascinating book about b- the black market of body parts and human beings in general. There's a whole chapter on just how, like, you know, a lot of adoptions that, that happen out of India are actually children that have been kidnapped. Uh, like, they're not the, you know, sympathy story like that you hear. like the market of human beings. Exactly, of. yeah. The, I'd say the thing that scared me the most about it was about, well, I mean, like, one, there's, there's, there's you know, the obvious chapters about millionaires that just have people that are sort of on call for organ transplants in case they need one. Of course there are. 
very Purge-like in that you can just buy a human being, you know, to, to hang out. And, like, if you need a liver, he's there. And you can perform the, the, the operation within two hours on an airplane in the air. You know, it's just, like, weird shit like that. But the thing that scared me the absolute fucking most were these blood farms that got raided and exposed where people were being kidnapped and more or less held like zombies in these in these farms in the middle of nowhere in India where they were just being drained of their blood but kept alive enough that they were still producing producing some of it like they couldn't even run away if they tried they didn't have enough energy to do it and it's just See, like, guys the real monster here is capitalism yeah capitalists are vampires totally <laughs> literal honest to god vampires that's one of the coolest things about return of the living dead because it talks about all that stuff without hitting you over the head about it and still kind of making it fun because it is about corporate evil a little bit a little there bit is I, think an under- about, I think it's a lot about corporate <laughs> evil a, there's an undercurrent of corporate evil before we move on completely i have one more thing i wanted to say about the skeletons uh-huh and now this this was me bringing it back from my scary skeleton theory to reanimation. Yes. Why didn't the skeletons reanimate? You know, it's the thing that's bugged me about this movie for years. Because in regular zombie movie, skeleton couldn't reanimate. There's no brain. But this movie, the, the corpses can walk around without brains. So is it the muscles that they need? Because... I don't I know. Would argue, so I would decayed. argue that every single corpse you see walking around in this movie has a brain. People that you see get their brains eaten don't come back up and start crawling around walking. Is that true? That's very true. Those dogs still have half a brain. Okay, but I'm saying they sever the the jaundice guy that comes out of the freezer who was who was a cadaver. They sever his head from mm-hmm. his body and both the head and the body are still reanimated. So the body is animated without the head. So we have confirmed that head not needed. That's brains true. not needed. That's true. Therefore, the skeletons should have reanimated. Now, I'm going to present the even even. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> nope, I'm not done. We yet. haven't made it past okay. the first act of the movie, and the episode's <laughs> almost done. Okay, so <laughs> skeletons that are used for medical purposes are connected via like pins. So there, there's metal like hooks that yeah. are connecting. Do you think that's it? Because they're less organic now. There's a there's a point where they have become not a human corpse anymore. They've been commodified as a product. I am going to present an even darker reality. The skeleton is alive but can't do anything <gasps> about it. <laughs> because it doesn't have the muscle or ten- like the tendons to move. It's just sitting there limp in the wind going kill me. Kill oh me. my god. <laughs> kill me. You're right because it would have it would have no ownership over those two metal things that are connecting its bits. <laughs> So each individual bone would be oh, animate. It's fucking dark. <laughs> it's fucking dark. Honestly, when they pin down that half a corpse lady who ate one of those punk kids, and they're talking to her because zombies fucking talk. In oh this, my god, so good. Marvelous. One of the greatest scenes of this movie. When she explains why they eat brains, like one, it's a little bit of a leap, but you're like, well, okay, I don't know if I understand this, but the sorrow attached to it. Yeah. Where it's just like she she feels only pain. Like, I can feel this body rot. And like the only thing that makes the pain go away is eating brains. So like that's also why they're uh, like they run after these people like rabid dogs because they're like junkies trying to get another hit. The only thing that stops them from feeling the most insufferable, unending pain is eating brains. Well, and also just being this dead thing and understanding death and knowing death and wanting to consume life and wanting to consume that which makes us humans. Yeah. Like, 
quintessentially like you would assume like oh they would want to eat hearts because hearts are where like blood pumps and like that's the source of life but the brain is the source of humanity mm-hmm. and that's what they're depraved of yeah but also I mean there is an interesting point where they go to the mortician uh, across the way who's working late and they want to use his um, crematorium crematorium thank you to burn up the one corpse they, they get currently they only have one corpse well, this it's is the small, small zombie problem. infestation small small, small 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 an isolated incident yeah this is the you know this is the, the, the this is a craft zombie you know like we're only doing one at a time made to Bespoke. order <laughs> yes uh, and, but we need to get rid of it and we don't want anybody to know about it and we definitely don't want the fucking power of the US government and military to come raining down on us small business owners honestly Frank didn't even want Bert to know but it wasn't until they reached the point where there was a live corpse in the freezer that they were like hmm had to get him involved maybe we should talk about the evil gas that we released yeah, 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 yeah. when they make their way over to the mortician there is like the, there's maybe something to this about how he talks about rigor mortis starting in the brain and then working its way through the rest of the body honestly i wish i had to google that before we started talking because oh because we, we we have no idea if it's true yeah and i think that's just the most fascinating thing i've always been like very interested in corpse and rigor mortis and things like that. Like I have, I also have a bunch of books about human death. Of course. <laughs> but it's such a weird phenomenon because it's something that your body does that doesn't happen when you're alive. Mm. Because like the human version, like the alive version of rigor mortis would be like a bed sore. And you would get that from being um, stuck up in a bed after, you know, like a huge accident or being incapacitated. Mm-hmm. And your body gets sore from the pooling of, of blood in your body and like yeah. that's why like nurses have to like flex your limbs and turn you over and but that's there's that that's like the the corpse version of that it's interesting i mean like i mean obviously bodies rot and stuff you know so <laughs> sorry um that's like, so poetic obviously bodies rot. obviously bodies rot and stuff um but yeah thinking about your body doing something without you around anymore is is really interesting something other than being broken down and eaten by bacteria and other bugs and microorganisms yeah and because decay isn't a human process that's other things getting involved yeah something that and, and just kind of just piggybacking on the whole like how evil corporations are and just how uh, even after you're dead you're still valuable but in a different way and you've got no say over it and stuff um when the but it's true though you would want a skeleton with perfect teeth yeah yeah and i mean uh... otherwise it'd be like a pirate (laughs) okay so it's just that it's not pretty enough i get it okay (laughs) you'd have to put an eye patch on it in the doctor's office that'd be fucking rad and how insulting would that be that was a human being is it any less insulting than not putting the eye patch on it? Anyway, the point is, when he's showing him the cadaver, he talks about how it's used for medical, um, you know, medical practice and also military experimentation on with ammunition. It's just like, wow, can you imagine, like, you donate your body to science and instead of being used for, I mean, like, sure, none of us necessarily want to be used for practice for plastic surgery and stuff, but, like, you think when you're donating your body to science that you're going to be used to help solve cancer, you know, like, that some some good's gonna come out of them tinkering with you. But then, you know, no one's you're not around to supervise who decides to do what with your body, and instead you just get like strung up like a fucking scarecrow on a field somewhere where they can test out some new sort of like point blank ammunition that explodes on impact. Like, I don't know, I don't really like really wish it had to destroy that corpse a little more. He still looks like he'd be battle worthy. <laughs> like, that's such a fucked thing. 
And I, don't scare people out of organ donation, John. <laughs> no, I mean, like, on the on the other hand, how else are you supposed to test this ammunition? How else are you supposed to know how good or bad it's going to be if you can't shoot an actual person with it? Ah, uh, oh, fun stuff. They can just use gelatin. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the other thing I love about this, too, is that... Um, the the point of entry for all this is a punk kid who's finally gotten a job. You know, like, that's the idea. His friends are just fucking bumming around, waiting for him to finish work. They're pissed that he got a job. Because, like, fuck, we could be partying right now if we weren't waiting for fucking Freddy to finish up at the dumb warehouse. That's why they break into the, the cemetery that's sort of attached to the warehouse in between. It looks like it's abandoned, but has a working crematorium. Has, yeah, working crematorium, spray paint all over the entry. There's chains on it, but they're like, fuck this, we're going in and... and it's capitalism. Out. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Capitalism shut down the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I, it's it's kind of an Indiana Jones problem where it's like if this scumbag kid—I mean that in the best way possible—he looks like a very nice boy. Also, punks are great. He, uh, if he hadn't have ditched his punk roots and sold out and gotten a fucking job for the man, then he wouldn't have had, you know, then the guy training him wouldn't have told him this funny story and he wouldn't have gone downstairs and he wouldn't have, you know, unleashed this killing toxic gas on the world. Okay, I'm just going to take slight issue with the fact that you're calling him a punk because I think this group is so diverse and that there are so many different subcultures of, of fashion and... Freddie is definitely not a punk. He is with the girl that's using phone cords as a as a headband. And I'm assuming his best friend is the guy that's wearing the suit. Yeah, Kim knows nothing about his uh about his his suspender t-shirt combo. This is very clearly a 1985 punk. He was doing a Dapper Dan, thank you. Just because he does not have a mohawk or a chain going from his ear to his nose does not mean he's not a punk, Kim. It's not a costume, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. <laughs> yeah, right. That's like that's like the ultimate punk movie too. Is the other cool thing about Return of the Living Dead, and of course, big shout out to Chris Aitkins, uh, contr- writer and contributor at Nightmare on Film Street, who's been singing the praises of punks in horror history for years now. He, I think, for a long time, he was writing a column called "Gut the Punks," and I think the inception of it came from writing about Return of the Living Dead, specifically talking about the punk kids, and uh, and that line in particular was just like a fucking beacon call that kind of like went out to everybody watching it, like the that this is not a costume, this is a lifestyle situation. Like it's it's kind of played for yucks in that moment too because Lene Quigley is naked and all over him and he's like God damn won't you have some fucking respect for the dead <laughs> I love that line but yeah, and also the fact that Lene Quigley is is naked the entire movie every time she runs up a set of stairs her butt is just out <laughs> yeah yeah well she finds like a sheet to wrap herself in at some point I think but she's wearing somebody's vest is that what it is yeah uh, well because but but either way as soon as they have to run away from something the sheet gets caught on a nail and like no oh, no I'm naked again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's pretty great, though. Uh, like, her dance. Even just the scene, like, right before that where she's talking about her biggest fear in life. Like So you ever, good. Do you, ever, do you ever think about death? <laughs> you know, do you ever think about dying and, like, the worst way to go? Being eaten apart by all these old men? <laughs> and then she, uh, you know, obviously she starts dancing naked in the cemetery, which is why they brought the road flares. There's no other reason for the road flares other than the lighting is way cooler when you're doing a Partying. strip tease in the fucking cemetery. <laughs> Yeah, and of course that's how she goes. Once the once the once the acid rain comes down and unleashes the all the zombies from that cemetery, they rise up, they eat Lene Quigley, and you know her worst uh, nightmares are have become reality. It's okay, great. speaking of partying, that skeleton that comes out of the earth yeah. is indeed a reanimated skeleton. 
Good point. And he's got eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe he, there's still like a rotty brain in there, but... I got a full set of teeth, two eyeballs, and I'm ready to fucking party, everybody. Is it, see, is it because he hasn't been commodified yet? <laughs> That's possible. Yeah, I, I just love that it's like punks versus the military and punks versus just like American corporate society. Which like, is always sad when they they end up being the victims of horror films because they're already outside of society and they're already rebelling against you know the status quo. And that's normally your downfall in a horror film it's comeuppance it's uh karma coming back to bite you in the ass i'm like the punks don't have bad karma no they've just been warning about this bullshit for years (laughs) punks don't have bad karma at all (laughs) i got the impression that you had a hard time trying to figure out why all of the zombies were coming back in the second half of the movie so yeah you were mentioning the crematorium and that it was the smoke from burning the corpse i honestly thought that they had just cut back to the the you need a medical supply and there was the gas leaking out of the building so i don't know if the gas actually ever leaked out of the building like it went in the you know the opening credits of the movie it's a great fucking tracking shot where we're watching the gas go up into the vent we're following the vents we're going out into the out into the freezer and out into the warehouse and we're just watching the gas spread inside the building Mm -hmm. but once they once they cremate the corpse that they've chopped up into pieces at that point we follow the vent of the crematorium up out the roof it's you know the the same color gas poison smoke going up into the clouds pooling collecting with the rain clouds and coming down sort of like an acid rain which was a which was a real thing happening in the 80s in america there were huge problems with acid rain where you'd be in LA and they'd tell you not to go out today. It's kind of ironic because we're recording this right around the time of those wildfires um, and a lot of people are stuck inside. And then like miracle grow, evil miracle grow, that rain seeped down into the ground. Again, another incredible tracking shot going from a tombstone down through the different crusts and layers of the earth that Kim loves to talk about <laughs> into, a, into a goddamn coffin where we see it just just nourishing a dead body and coming back up to wreak havoc on Louisville. I think it's Louisville, but whatever. Oh, you it depends. Or, it's kind of like Louisville. It's kind. It's kind of like a Narlins thing, like <laughs> New Orleans, Narlins. It's it's just like the regional Toronto, accent. Toronto. But honestly, I think the the smoke from the crematorium is so cool, and it's just another like layer of how original this film tackled its zombies. Mm-hmm. They are unbeatable at that point. If, yeah. if burning them, incinerating them, literally the only thing that would get rid of them spreads them like spores. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you if stop you, it? You think about it. Every town is riddled with corpses. Yeah. And, you know, that's the that's the level of firepower the military is looking for. You know, like they're looking for something that they can like something that they can drop in the water and it'll annihilate an entire population of people. So it's not out of the ordinary it's not i don't know it's not uh, impossible to imagine that this is the kind of fucking thing that could pop up i was very surprised like look at the blob like we talked about the blob two weeks ago <laughs> i was very surprised how late in the movie the military was brought in i was very very surprised because i was like i thought we were winding down and then i wasn't surprised at all no right? <laughs> i had just like it was such a it was such a brief you know switch of emotions i was like oh they really should have done oh no this is the perfect yep it's over <laughs> yeah no second thought no conversation about what to actually do literally as soon as they find out about it and and it's probably also that it's spread and that it's doing more things it's just immediately okay cool let's just throw a a fucking missile let's just annihilate that goddamn chunk of the map and we'll call it done we'll lock the door throw away the key yeah he literally like, he thinks t- 
he does not think twice about it. He gets a phone call in the middle of the night. He he you know he punches a few numbers in his computer. It's protocol, John. It, exactly. That's the thing too. Is that like there's no thought put into it. It's just like oh, this is the plan. This is what you do. Don't think about it. Just put it into action. Turn the key. Kill four thousand people. Think nothing of it. And wish your coworkers a happy Independence Day. And I don't know. Go have a hot dog or something. Go sleep with my wife. Yes. <laughs> there had to be a conversation uh, where they included them wishing each other a happy Independence Day. Even and the, they were like, too far. Yeah, well, even, <laughs> even the end of the movie when you're seeing Louisville explode, it's like 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It, there's no date. It doesn't say the 4th of July. It doesn't say Independence Day, but you know what day it is. And like, goddamn, what's more American than, than starting the day? Like, the fucking sun is still rising and we're... F- Big ass fucking fireworks, like explosions at dawn. It's America. Hello, welcome to the independence of, like, the independent capital of the world. <laughs> oh man, what a wild movie! These zombies are so fucking unkillable. Everybody's just fucked. I know. I keep, everyone was so fucked. I, I keep veering us away from the zombies to talk about America's weird obsession with bigger and bigger guns. That's but. okay. I took a fifteen-minute cadaver detour. <laughs> But yeah, the uh, there's no, there's no way to kill them. There's no way to stop them. Uh, it's literally you know the, you, you throw a, you, you you throw superlatives around when you talk about zombies about how like oh it's just if there's two zombies it's the end of it's the end of humanity as we know it. That's a hundred percent true in a movie like Return of the Living Dead. I think maybe and they're so smart. I'm sure they could reanimate themselves. That's the, that's the other that thing. That tar man knew how fucking chains and winches worked. Right? Yeah. He. Worked, I don't even know how a winch works. He worked smart and not hard and totally ripped open that goddamn closet door to get that juicy brain and he's from 1950 these are old ass zombies that have been sitting around doing nothing oh when freddy finally turns like that's real sad because tina's with them the whole time oh to the bitter end the emotional manipulation that that zombie does to his girlfriend when she's stuck in the attic right He's like you. You don't see. I know you're here. Uh, I can smell your brains. That's <laughs> so great. And, but he's like you can. You don't see him doing it, but you can. You can hear that he has set the ladder back up that they've used to climb into the attic. And he's banging on the door. And then he's like, "Oh, I broke my arm. Why did you make me do that? You made me hurt myself, Tina." <laughs> like it's he. He becomes real twisted, abusive, abusive boyfriend, boyfriend. <laughs> very fast. He'll do anything to get that brain. Side shout out though, the the rate of um, sickness on both Freddy and Frank was so good the entire movie. Yeah. They did such a good job. And even just like conveying that it was like a heat wave and how hot it was, those characters, they had to have filmed during an actual heat wave because everybody was so oh fucking sweaty. They're wearing so many layers and they're so, so oh, sweaty. I felt so ga- so bad for the kid in the like wool tweed jacket. Yeah, like the He was the, the, the sweatiest of all. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's, that was rough. That was the only reason Linnea Quigley was naked the whole time. She just refused she, to got put way her too fucking back hot. Yeah. I mean, at least my Miguel Nunez got to have like some sleeveless shirts or something like he at least he kind of looks like he's dressed for the weather a little bit oh man we uh we did not do the big shout out to him in this movie he kicks a lot of ass like we you know he's obviously demon from from Friday the 13th part five Ooh, baby and the voodoo <laughs> and the voodoo guy from uh from Scooby-Doo on uh, the, the first live action Scooby-Doo movie Oh, yeah. That's such a good role for, like, how small it is. Yeah. He kills it in this movie. Like, pretty much makes it out to the end. That's, like, the real sad part about the end of this movie is that some people really deserve to live, and they've really hustled, busted their ass, risked their lives, and then 
fucking military drops a bomb on him. And honestly, one of my most favorite things about this movie is it's not about the chaos of living beings because that was really explored in Night of the Living Dead and I think Night of the Living mm. Dead did it so perfectly and so many films that 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 is kind of the go-to that's like the, the what you fall back on yes like the mist when all of the people are stuck inside the grocery store and it's just about like there are monsters outside but the real horror is that humans can't work together mm-hmm. and, and we can't set aside our differences in times of crisis and in this it's completely opposite it's characters that you wouldn't assume right away like if you were to judge them by their by their clothes are not the type of people who would immediately work together with strangers and everybody is so honorable when they run out to get the car and they, there's two people left in the in the crematorium we know that they're making a just decision to drive away because there's absolutely no way they could get in that car without dying and they have a better chance of all four of them surviving if they get the fuck out and can get help. Yeah, and as much as one of them is panicking, Tina, Freddie's girlfriend, is, is panicking a little bit because she's watching these guys sort of drive off. Uh, the mortuary, the mortician, it, you know, he understands what's happening. They barricade themselves in the attic and they just wait for somebody to come by. There is a grim fucking moment where uh, where, where uh, Freddie is starting to break his way into the attic and the mortician who's like really holding Tina close just to comfort her a little bit he's got his Luger because he's ah, this is a weird little wrinkle in this story like he's listening to Russian classical music and he's got a Luger strapped to his, his fucking hip which is also just another weird thing about America it's not no one thinks it's weird that the mortician is hanging out in the funeral home late at night and, and embalms bodies with a gun in a holster a really weird gun yeah it's just it's it's just totally normal behavior uh, for 10 30 p.m. on July 3rd but uh, but anyway like there's there's a really dark moment where you think he's going to shoot her in the back of the head to save her from being torn apart by her boyfriend like later on we find out that she's still alive when we cut back to them but it's like he contemplated it's it. real grim <laughs> but yes everybody's everybody's working together everybody's uh, trying to to signal to the police that they need help to call for backup no one's at each other's throats about anything if, if there's any hostility, it's just because everybody's fucking terrified of Yeah, dying. and there's no, like, infighting. There's no, like, you're in the downstairs and I'm in the upstairs. And, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and even when they go to put Freddy and Frank's, I guess I could say corpses, animated, not reanimated, <laughs> corpses in the chapel to isolate them in case they turn, there's a little bit of like I don't want to go in there, blah, blah, blah. but then eventually everybody's just like, yeah, no, we, this is right. This is this probably is what, what we, we should, should do. do. Yeah, see, that's the thing about Return of the Living Dead. Uh, like one, super goofy, hilarious, love laughing through this movie, but also every single person in the movie love to laugh, love to love, love to die. Yes, they they <laughs> do everything right. They do everything they should, and then the fucking military stomps on them with a boot like they're just insects. Like they do everything that they they should. They Send the message up the flagpole. Like, people need to know about this. We need to send help. And they're like, no problem. We got you. Kabloom. That's one of my favorite things about the end of Cloverfield. I know it's like a completely different movie from a different era. But um, that moment when they're trapped under the bridge and kablamo. Yeah. It's just so bleak. Yeah, yeah. This whole movie is bleak, but you're like, party! Yeah. How do you have a movie so fucking bleak that is is really pointing out failures of your own system that you live under, but at the end of it, you're just like, what a good time! Isn't that the true American way, though? It's about perseverance, and it's about 
optimism in times of pessimism. <laughs> yeah, because whether you know it or not, you are currently right now partying in your own graveyard. <laughs> Fuck, John. <laughs> it's time to party! Man, what a great movie. I fucking love I Return honestly of the feel Man. like we could do a part two of this, of part one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, I, I got like another half hour of stuff in me that I'd love to talk about, but... You we'll know. have to do a watch party of this so we can all just react to it live because there's just... Every single moment of this film is worth discussing. Yeah, well, it, also, it's one of those goofy movies where it shouldn't work. Like, on paper, it could have just as easily failed, but it's about the tone, it's about the approach, the special effects are awesome the characters are weird and kooky it's just alchemy like it comes together in a way that you wouldn't expect and it is just a fucking blast from start to finish yeah absolute four out of four for me oh same obviously it is so much fun and the originality you're just you're just so right in that movies have come afterwards that haven't haven't compared to it haven't haven't you know paled its shine and it's building off of movies before it, yeah. and it, and it's got its own sense of humor and its own style that you instantly know what movie this is when you're shown 30 seconds of it. Yeah, it is a fucking crime that Dan O'Bannon did not direct more movies. He's got one other movie from the early 90s. I've never seen it. I'd love to check it out. But I mean, like, he's mostly known as a writer, obviously. He he wrote Alien. Uh, he's a big writer behind Life Force, which is another movie we keep wanting to talk about in the podcast. Just, like, countless movies. I mean, he made Dark Star with John Carpenter. Like, that was... Their, their college movie that they made together um, and definitely you know Dan O'Bannon's writing is involved in some of your favorite horror movies I would suspect so if you have not seen Return of the Living Dead before um, I'm begging you to watch it this year I guarantee like we have not spoiled anything for you it is it is a wild ride uh, and if and if you've already seen it if you're a lifelong fan I'd love to hear your thoughts on the movie obviously Kim and I loved it but please uh, tweet at us at NOFS podcast or chat with us in the Nightmare on Film Street discord at nofspodcast.com slash discord we would love to party with you and if you want to support the show with a small monthly donation you can join us on patreon at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street or nofspodcast.com slash fiend club that is where we put all of our bonus episodes and we have special events like our watch parties and you can get cool swag and stuff Um, and that's all in exchange for supporting the show you can do that at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub or patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. While you're at it, please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast. It's the easiest, freest way to support the show, and it actually does really help. We've also got a killer merch store that Kim updates constantly. And it's, I always forget to plug. And, and you can find that at store.nofspodcast.com. Uh, we've got more than just Nightmare on Film Street shirts. Like, type in your favorite horror movie. Guarantee we've got a kooky fun shirt there. Inspired by. Inspired by your favorite horror movies that I know you're going to love. Uh, you'll be, be the coolest person at horror trivia next weekend. And as always, one of the biggest things you can do to support Nightmare on Film Street is by recommending the show to a friend. If you want to join the street team, hit us up in the Discord. We'll send you a sticker pack that you can use next time you're going to a horror convention or just like a cool dive bar that loves having stickers slapped everywhere we'll send you some we'll send you a merch pack so you can help spread the word yeah litter those washrooms litter them (laughs) yeah i mean pretty much uh, every dive bar bathroom in the city where we live has a nightmare on film street sticker on it yep We'll be back again talking about another killer drive-in movie from the from the summer of 1985. 
But until then, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. Thank <laughs> you.